Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to Wide Men Can Jump on the Wide Men Radio Network, located at blogtalkradio.com slash widemencantjump. We're brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New, wowfreecam.com, and facebook.com slash makeupkennedy. You can check us out anywhere and everywhere you find podcasts. Now, for the host of your flagship program, here's Tom Robinson and Nate Bush. What's going on, everybody? It's another week here at Wide Men Can't Jump. We are going to go ahead and jump right in, right off the bat. We are joined right now by Tom Moore, sports columnist for the Bucks County Courier Times. He's been on here with us before. We're going to talk a little Philadelphia 76ers. Tom, thank you so much for joining us here. Sure. Thank you, guys. Hey, Tom, TR. How you been, buddy? Glad you could jump on with us again. Sure, TR. Anytime. Well, T.R., since you're the Sixers man, go ahead. I'll let you lead this one. Uh, what, is there a story out there? Um, no, just uh, say that in gist. Um, number one overall pick from 1999, Elton Brand, who uh, the Sixers had in the organization for some time now and actually came back as a player, sort of a player coach, was named GM. Um I have mixed feelings about this, and that's why we got Tom and, and Keith coming on to uh, try to talk me off the ledge. Um, I like Elton Brand, the guy. I always liked him as a player. Uh, I just don't like that he was in that little mix, and they promoted the analytics uh, gentleman, Alan Rucker, I believe. Tom, if you could correct me. Um, is that is, is that Rucker, the other gentleman yeah. that kept promoting? Okay. Uh, which – Anytime I hear the word analytics, I uh, I am haunted by the the thought of a Sam Hankey type organization, and I'm I'm hoping we're past that and we're going to play real uh, NBA. But just you can free flow. Uh, just your thoughts on Elton as as the selection, as opposed to the other people interviewed. Yeah, um, you know it's kind of. Interesting because less than a month ago, uh, managing owner Josh Harris was quoted in, in ESPN saying, you know, how important it was to get the right guy. And if that meant they had to wait till 2019, they would wait till 2019. And then we had our annual media luncheon with Brett Brown in South Philly uh, yesterday. And he kept saying how he was confident somebody would be uh, named uh, by the start of the season and that he was looking forward to the partnership with the new GM. So logically, you think internal, um, but I would have guessed Mark Eversley, you know, who was Brian Colangelo's right-hand man, has worked for the NBA, you know, has some experience. Um, but supposedly they, you know, uh, Harris and uh, David Blitzer, fellow owner, and Brown really liked what they heard from Elton Brand when they did their uh, – you know, their round of interviews um, and, you know, decided to promote him. He had spent one year as the general manager of the Sixers G league team, the old, the old developmental league uh, in Delaware. Um, And yeah, I, I mean, I, I like Elton Brand. I really enjoyed him both times as a player. I used to kid him when he came back the second time, calling him an old school Chevy. And he enjoyed that. He always, uh, (laughs) He smiled and appreciated that. 
because he took it as a compliment because he knew that's what he was. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't going to go to, from zero to 50 in 3.7 seconds. He was going to have to kind of plot and work and, you know, try to be as consistent as he could be. Um, I, you know, I know he, Elton's bright and I know he's uh, well-connected with, you know, players and executives and coaches around the league with his 17-year playing career, you know, et cetera. Um, he, you know, he's, the next 12 months are, you know, essential for this organization, Elton. And I think it will be more of a partnership. I think Brett Brown, I never heard him refer to his time with Sam Hinkie or Brian Colangelo as a partnership. Um, so I think he will have more say than he's had before, which is probably a good thing because he's the coach. He knows what he needs. Um, and, you know, it'll be Elton Brand's job to find a way to get a third star, assuming Markel Fultz isn't the guy. Um, which at this point, you know, you, you would probably take the under on that one based on last year, even though there's some op- optimism with all the work on that he's uh, – the time he spent with Drew Hanlon and going to Brett Brown, he understands he's apparently taken, what did he say, uh, 150,000 shots this summer, uh, which sounds like an incredibly <laughs> high number. That's over 1,000 for a day for five months, which – you know, that, that that would be shooting pretty much from morning till night. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, Elton's kind of an unknown, you know, quantity. So, uh, but I think, uh, TR, I think that with what they wanted to do and keep their front office structure in place, Daryl Morey or anybody, another GM on another team, is not going to come here and not bring his or her own people. Um, so the way they wanted the structure, it was probably going to be somebody promoted from within. Um, and they decided that Elton Brand was the best guy, you know, to do that impress them the most. I can't tell you what exactly what he's going to be like or what he's, how he's going to do it. I, I, I don't think he's a, I'm not aware that he's a hundred percent analytic guy. I, I know as I, as I said with the old school, I, I think he, you know, is a kind of an old time basketball guy. As you said, he was the, you know, the last the number one overall pick in the 20th century. It's been, you know, 19 years. I think he's 39 years old. So, you know, I, my, my sense in the whole thing is give him a chance, see what he does, um, see how he approaches the job, and uh, go from there. That's fair. I, you know, I'm kind of uh, a wait and see because I, I do, I am a fan of Elton, the, the person and the player, et cetera. Nate. Um, my question is, did Joshua Harris and company kind of wait maybe a little too long to pull this trigger? You had Elton there the whole time. Wouldn't you think you would want him to step in and make your draft picks and make your, your moves that you made during the draft uh, instead of the coach? Maybe so he could have the players he would want around uh, Brett Brown. Uh, because I don't know, would Elton Brand make the moves that Brett Brown made in that draft getting rid of Mikael Bridges and um, losing, you know, trading off so many draft picks. Did did you think they waited maybe a little too long to promote Elton Brand? Well, I was surprised they did, uh, Nate. I mean, three and a half months it's been. I think it was June 7th that Brian Colangelo resigned. So, I mean, it's a full, you know, three months and 12 days or whatever it is, which is darn near three and a half months. Yeah, I was. We talked to Daryl Morey, and I, I know they reached out to some other existing general managers. But as I said, I didn't see how people were going to come here 
with with no say in who is next to them and who works with them after having people you know existing structures in in the current organizations um, so you know I thought if either they were going to promote somebody within or they were going to as Josh Harris said wait perhaps until next year until maybe a different batch is available or maybe some guys lose their jobs that they, they would be interested in or encouraged by. But yes, I mean, there's no reason they couldn't have done this. I mean, we asked Brett Brown at the luncheon or somebody asked him, um, do you think not having a general manager hurt you in your, in the ability to land a free agent and so on? And, you know, not surprisingly, he said, no, um, that, you know, LeBron James doesn't go somewhere because of the general manager. And he's probably right about that. There's other factors, you know, that, that he decided it really didn't matter. Even the coach um, to him probably isn't that big of a deal. Uh, But yeah, I think it would have been nice to have him in and give him a chance to kind of get up to speed and running before. I mean, media day is Friday um, and training camp starts Saturday. So um, you know, they still have the mid-level exception, about $4.5 million that they can use on somebody um, if they decide to do that. And I asked Brett Brown about that yesterday, and he said, you know, they're discussing some options and so on um, about what to do with that, um, whether it's somebody who still isn't in the league or you could split it with multiple people, although they're pretty close to the 20. I think they have 19 people coming into camp and 15 guaranteed contracts, so they would need to do something to create a, a roster spot there. But yes, uh, to make a short story long, uh, short answer long, I was surprised and I don't really understand why this couldn't have been done in early July or whenever, you know, it, it has taken a long, long time to do this. And I, and I'm not sure exactly why. Yeah. It almost sounds to me as if the word partnership, as if it's, Maybe given Elton in in name the power of the GM while learning on the job, so to speak, and 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 Brett obviously with a lot more say, which I'm not necessarily a fan of. Um, and people mistake my cynical nature and sarcasm and so forth as not being a Sixers guy. I just I want the best for the Sixers. I you know I'm 48 years old. I grew up with. Fortunately, I grew up in the era of the Dr. J's and the uh, Moses Malones and Barclays, et cetera, on down to Iverson. And I just I just loved my Sixers. I even worked there one year as a Broad Street beefcake, if you remember us, Tom. But, um, I, I do remember, sure. Yeah, I was one of them fat guys dancing. But I'm in much better shape now. Anyhow, um, back to the point. Um, I just hope that um, the roster itself right now, in my opinion, is not um, as darling as the nation's media thinks it is. Um, I have a sneaky sense that some are buying into their own hype. Um, I think Brett was quoted somewhere the other day I saw on Twitter as saying that he felt they were right there last year. And I don't know what playoff series he was watching. He obviously had a good seat, but uh, until TJ came in and gave him a spark defensively and and, and in a hustle standpoint, they pretty much got dominated on every level against Boston, and Boston's only getting better. Um, I guess I went around the world for a question in that, uh, does it seem like 
Elton is learning on the job, considering he jumped over a few ahead of him in the office, or uh, did he do enough quality things with the 87ers slash blue coats, uh, which I don't know about, admittedly. Um, was that enough to, to show that he has what it takes to move up? I mean, probably not. I, you know, it, it, it's a whole different deal. You know, the best player in the G League, you know, typically, you know, could probably play in the NBA, but, you know, typically G League players are more peripheral NBA players. So you're dealing with, you know, marginal marginal uh, guys in terms of uh, getting into the NBA and so on. So, um, you know, as I understand it, and I think Woj uh, wrote um, that, you know, uh, the owners and Brown really like the ideas and, um, the plan, and I don't know, you know, we hopefully we'll find out more tomorrow morning, Thursday morning, about um, at the press conference in terms of what uh, Elton Brand's plans are um, to take the Sixers, you know, from 52 wins um, and a second-round playoff loss, per, you know, to, to, per, to the next level, ideally. But, yes, I, you know, uh, you were talking about Brett Brown. I mean, those games in the Celtics series, the Sixers lost all three of them. Um, and they won a game where they, you know, they, I guess they end up winning by 10 or so, and then the other game where they kind of, you know, they got beat by double digits. Uh, but, you know, it was close in a way, but it really wasn't that close. And, you know, as you, know, as you said, uh, you know, the Celtics are adding two all-star caliber players in Kyrie Irving and um, – uh, Gordon Hayward, you know, who, you know, who were out last year to a quality, you know, young uh, team, except for Al Horford. It's a very up and coming, young, promising club. So to say the Sixers, you know, and Toronto, I would say if, um, if uh, Kawhi Leonard is engaged and healthy, um, you know, I think the Raptors are, you know, we're, probably better than the Sixers right now. The Sixers have some real questions. Who's going to score off the bench? What's, you know, uh, chemistry, uh, you know, losing Ilyasova to me is, is a big loss. Wilson Chandler, I think, will help them in terms of um, playing the three and the four and, you know, competing better against teams like Boston that kind of abuse the Sixers' wings. But unless Markel Fultz can really have a breakout year, or Elton, uh, or excuse me, or, you know, Joel Embiid can take it to another level, which, you know, there's, he, he's certainly going to get better, but um, he had a pretty pretty good year last year. And, uh, you know, Ben Simmons has to develop a mid-range game, a 15-foot jumper to keep defenses honest. But, um, you know, it's going to be difficult for them to replicate last year unless they can kind of catch lightning in a bottle, or as I said, Foles. Fultz really uh, plays like a, a number one, a former number one overall pick. Yeah, I, I agree, especially on the Ilya Soviet point. Um, I didn't, I didn't want to lose him either. Um, has there been any kind of uh, noted, maybe rumblings of Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, kind of butting heads as maybe as to whose team this really is? Because one of them is going to have to take a second fiddle role on this team, as it seems, because uh, TR's let me know, and we've heard reports that they have been in the same place at the same time, but not around each other. Um, Has there been some sort of maybe locker room issues or 
personality problems of two guys clashing over, you know, who's going to be, you know, the LeBron, who's going to be the Wade, as if I could put it that way, or who's the Kobe, who's the Shaq yeah, in right. this nature. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen, whatever, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a very good question. I mean, I'm, they're, they're very different personality-wise. I mean, you see how engaging, you know, Embiid is. And Simmons is a little kind of more reserved, a little more aloof. Um, uh, and, yeah, I, I haven't heard much about that. But, I, you know, Embiid's new contract, his extension kicks in this year. So he's gotten paid and he's jumping from, you know, uh, less than $10 million a year to $25 million, um a year, roughly, um, to start that new extension. So, um and Simmons would be eligible for an extension after the 2019-2020 season, after his fourth year, which is why next summer is so important in terms of the Sixers, you know, adding a uh, a, a top free agent or making an uneven trade for a, another star, theoretically, um, to kind of help the Sixers take that big next step. But I wouldn't be surprised if it happens or has happened but it's been kept under wraps, you know, pretty well. Um, it would be interesting if the Sixers have, would have to make a choice there and what direction do you go because they both have such unique skill sets. And, you know, Embiid at his size, no one in the NBA has ever done what he can do at seven foot two, two 275 pounds. Um, so for the Sixers, you know, purposes, they certainly need those two to, you know, coexist and prop, prosper together because they are – the two guys, I mean, Brett Brown talks about, you know, consulting with those guys about personnel moves and about hiring, helping the GM hire and so on to get their input because they so, are so um, such so important to the future of this franchise. So, yeah, it's a very interesting uh, situation. I, I got to lighten it up a little bit, Tom. I know you cover everything under the sun. Thanks again for giving us a little bit of time. Uh, Nate on the other line is beaming because the NFL last weekend, his uh, go-to team is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and we are coming off a loss. But I don't believe uh, we are fully, you know, we're at full strength with the Eagles. And uh, just real quick, uh, how do you feel about Carson? Any any inside word? Does it seem like he's ready to go? Should I feel confident? I mean, everything we've seen, you know, I haven't seen in any drills or any, uh, you know, lateral movement or, or, you know, exploding this, what, stopping, starting, going left, going forward, going back, going right. I haven't seen any hiccups or slips or anything. Um, today, supposedly, was the first time where there was, you know, live hitting. Um, and I think that that's important the first time that he, I don't know, you know, I don't know that they let him get hit per se, but there's, you know, hitting on the line and so on. I think the first time he gets knocked to the ground would probably be a good thing to help in terms of if he has any kind of phobia or whatever about absorbing a hit for the first time in nine and a half months, um, that that would be a good thing. But, you know, I, I don't think he's going to pick up right where he left off. I saw him saying he hopes he thinks the offense can pick up where they left off mid-December last year. I mean, I think there's going to be some rust you'll see in some situations. But I'm curious to see how much he uses his legs to make plays because that's such a big part of him, whether it's rolling out, buying more time to throw the ball or scrambling or whatever, um, just to see how much he does that, you know, Sunday against the Colts. But uh, 
Yeah, the, hey, the the Bucks, uh, you know, biggest surprise team in the NFL. Fitzpatrick throwing for 400 plus yards two weeks in a row. <laughs> they are, uh, you know, that that was that was an impressive performance. Um, um, the offense was was fantastic, and the pressure they put on Foles, the defensive line, really uh, really uh, stepped up and uh, and you know gave the Eagles a lot of fit, a lot of trouble. So, kudos to you. Sure. Sure did, and I'm an eight. There you go. Uh, you we'd, got uh, we'd like to thank we'd like to thank the Eagles for the donation of Vinnie Curry to our front four there. Uh, thank you guys for and that. And Bo Allen too, right? Of course, yeah. Bo Allen. Uh, Tampa's looking pretty good this year. I'm uh, really enjoying what we've got going so far. Fitz Magic is in the air. Oh boy! I heard Deshaun. I heard Sean Jackson's comments. I guess yesterday about you know. What do you do when uh, you know Winston's back from the suspension? He said, "Well, we we got to kind of keep rolling with what we got, you know." Uh, which if it ain't you know, broke, don't fix it. Exactly, and, and it, it's kind of interesting with the Eagles now. Now, had the Eagles beaten the Bucks and been very successful, would there have been any rumblings about you know why are you bringing you know uh, Wentz back or whatever? But since it was not a great performance and Foles did not play especially well either the two weeks, you know, you, you really don't hear that. But that could be different in Tampa in another week, depending how things go. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting game on Monday night as they play Pittsburgh, who's uh, 0-1-1. So we're going to have an interesting matchup there. Um, our secondary scares me. And I know this is a basketball show, but we'll dive into a little football here. Uh, our secondary scares me. Uh, in terms of trying to cover Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster and Jesse James. Um, no offense to the Eagles, but without Alshon Jeffrey, you don't have a true number one outside of maybe Zach Ertz or Nelson Aguilar. Um, and Jay Ajayi was, was not 100%. Darren Sproles went down. So no we, didn't Sproles, get the yeah. full, we didn't get the full Eagles. Um, and you, we still, you know, Tampa jumps out to a huge lead but the Eagles weren't at full strength. So, you know, we, we kind of kicked the foot off the pedal there towards the end. Eagles climbed back into it. So it's going to be an interesting Monday yeah, they night were game. And some playmakers, no question. Oh, definitely, definitely. So, I mean, I'm glad we got the win. But uh, at the same time, I'm not going to take it as we're on that caliber level yet. Yeah, you never know. But uh, cer- certainly encouraging start, no question. <laughs> For sure, I, I, Nate. I'd say we'll 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 see you the next time, but I don't think you'll be joining us in the playoffs. But anyway, we'll talk about that on another show. This is NBA. Who's won a game? Who has? Or who's lost a game and who hasn't? Got me for now. <laughs> well, Tom, we want to thank you for coming on with us tonight, my friend. We appreciate your time and all this breakdown on Elton Brand and what's going on in Philadelphia. Uh, sports writer, um, are you the sports editor at the Bucks County Courier Times or just the writer? I am actually the sports columnist for the Bucks Column. County Courier Times and two other papers um, in the Philadelphia region. Correct. You're the man in Philly. That's all I know. If I pick up a paper, you're going to see. I, pre- I pretend to be the man. I, I'm, I'm playing the role <laughs> of the man. How about that? Three decades, Tom. you got to be doing something right, buddy. For real. <laughs> I'm good at fiction. My sports writing job lasts a year. <laughs> <laughs> but, Tom, thanks so much for coming on. And uh, if, you, if you don't care, let our listeners know where they can find you on Twitter and elsewhere uh, to keep up with sure. you. Sure. On 
on Twitter at Tom Moore Philly. Awesome. Well, thanks, Tom. Right, we hope we'll to have you back really soon. Hopefully, before around the start of the season, we'll get you back on if that's okay. And uh, thanks sure, again for joining good. us. All right. Thanks a lot. Right, guys. Thank have you. a good night. See you, Tom. you too. That was Tom Moore from the Bucks County Courier Times, and uh, it's always good to have Tom on. He's a great guy. I love talking to him. We kind of aside there into a little football talk, but I think it's relevant here where we're at right now. Yeah, I mean, with Carson Wentz coming back, and Tom, like I said, he's all over the place, um, and that's not a bad thing. I mean, he's, he's he covers everything, and so he's he's a hard-working journalist, you know, um, and I figured I'd get that in. I got to feel better myself about the Eagles, you know. They didn't look too well against you boys, so we'll see. Uh, you know, I think it's, the Indianapolis Colts. I, I honestly believe it's the lack of the – the defense that they have right now um, because they did lose Vinnie Curry and they lost a lot of other players, but we we'll dive into that uh, maybe Sunday night. If we get a chance talk a little football, um, but we do want to take this opportunity to have you guys, uh, if you haven't already, as it just keeps rolling in patreon.com slash wide men can't jump is the place to be. Uh, you can donate to our show. You can make a monthly donation. It doesn't have to be a lot, but it's uh, you know something that that you can do to help us out, and you get all kinds of extra content. Um, we get, we're doing all kinds of stuff with our Patreons. We actually have a couple surprises coming up. We won't get into them as of yet. We got a couple things going on. We're trying to get a fantasy basketball league going. If you become a Patreon, you will get into our fantasy basketball league automatically. And we will just uh, – we're going to have a good time. I agree uh, with that sentiment wholeheartedly. Um, as you said, we can't reveal yet until we confirm everything amongst each other and others involved. But we have uh, a lot of content coming up this fall, oh, this yes. winter. And, you know, it, it, you just throw in what you can. Uh, we're not asking for much. And – or you don't have to if you can't afford it. You can simply listen to what you have already as long as you follow the show. We're happy either way, and we thank you. But uh, there's going to be a lot of interesting stuff on that Patreon page. Oh, yeah, we're going to have a great time with that. And uh, you'll get your sports betting picks with TR and Tim. Uh, off to a – had a great first week, second week kind of – We can, we can went... stop right there. We can stop right there. <laughs> okay, we'll leave it at that. But uh, <laughs> there'll be a third week, so definitely check out the third week. Uh, let's see how the boys do this week. Um, I've been keeping track of them. I enjoy what they, uh, I enjoy what they're putting out. So just listen in, they'll help you, uh, best your bookie and you can win some money and enjoy it at the same time. And all you have to do is be a Patreon. So join us, patreon.com slash wide men can't jump. We're going to take a quick time out and we'll be right back right after this. Personal injury, automobile accidents, workplace accidents, mesothelioma. Social Security Disability, Unfair Insurance Practices, Family Law, Employment Discrimination, all these things and more can be helped by New Law Office. Stephen P. New will fight for you and your rights. Mr. New, what is there to do if you're in an automobile accident? When car wrecks happen, insurance is always involved. Did you know that in West Virginia, we have the highest percentage of uninsured and underinsured motorists driving on our highways 
That means that when you're in a car wreck, your attorney needs to know how to work with your insurance company to maximize the compensation that you'll receive. If you've been in a car wreck, call me, Stephen P. New. For your free consultation, call 1-888-692-8084 or visit newlawoffice.com. Stephen P. New will fight for you to get you where you need to be. He's a proud sponsor of our program, and Mr. New is a stand-up national and local attorney. Stephen P. New, attorney at law, answers to your legal questions. That is our gracious sponsor, the law offices of Stephen P. New. You can check out Mr. New at newlawoffice.com, or you could reach out to him toll-free. Stephen P. News phone number 1-888-692-8084. That's newlawoffice.com or 1-888-692-8084 for all your legal questions. He has got a huge case going on right now, by the way. Um, spoke to him the other day. He's got a big case going on as there's some, uh, I won't dive into it too much, but there is a college in Kentucky where someone had security cameras up in the, um, the restroom areas and we're filming and he is about to, uh, make some people wish they had never done that TR. That's our buddy, Stephen P. Wow. Get him, Steve. I certainly, well, I, I won't comment on the case, but yeah. So after his, so after he wins, like he always does. Yeah. I mean, he, he's just not a guy I would want to see if I'm, if I'm getting, you know, taken to court, I don't want to see him walk in. That's for sure. That's not a guy that I'm like, ah, this guy, we can win this. No, no. Stephen P knew, uh, he is no joke, no slouch in the legal world. Um, but we're going to have Keith Pompey join us here any minute now, TR, to talk a little more about the 76ers as, uh, we both heard the news of Elton Brand getting hired the other day and we both immediately went to our contacts and contacted someone said we got to talk to somebody about the Sixers about this and we ended up with two great contacts from the city of Philadelphia with uh, Tom Moore the Bucks Counter Courier Times and Keith Pompey of the Philadelphia Daily News uh he's the Sixers beat writer is Keith Pompey and we can't wait to get him on here with us soon um so we're going to talk more Sixers here nobody panic Yes, I'm going to talk about the looming situation, the black cloud that has creeped over me. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about that, the looming offer of trades that I've seen. But right now, we are joined by Mr. Keith Pompey of the Philadelphia Daily News. Keith, thank you so much for joining us here on Wide Men Can't Jump. Hey, what's up, man? How y'all doing? Y'all all right? What's happening? Big Papa Pomp, as I like to call you. Uh Keith, we just uh, we talked to uh, Tom Moore briefly, who I know uh, you know um, from being around the organization and so forth. Um, he opened our eyes a little bit, and I know I know you have a strong take. I, I checked out the uh, Locked On Sixers deal about kind of kind of what we felt a little bit. Nate and I, maybe maybe the Elton hire. Uh, could have came earlier and 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 for all rights should have uh you want to expound on that a little bit yeah my, you know here's the thing like you know elton fits the profile that the 76ers want now you can argue if elton's quali you know qualified or not but he he fits the profile and i feel as if that 
you know, you're up here delaying it, delaying it, making making it seem as if that you wanted to go after a top-notch guy. And all the time it was like, oh, yeah, Sam Presti, um, uh, R.C. Buford, Daryl Morey, these are the guys that we want, but we can't get them because they're not, you know, they're out. I mean, they're either, excuse me, they don't want to get out of their job or they can't get get out of their contract or something like that. You know what I mean? Or it's like, or they don't want to give up total power. So then next thing you know, David Griffin is a guy that everyone is saying, go after Griff, go after Griff. They interview him and they say, oh, he doesn't fit. Well, the reason why he doesn't fit is because you already, you know, promoted your entire staff and you're saying it's going to be consensus decision-making. So, you know, I'm not saying it was a dog and pony show, but what I'm saying is, you know, you you interviewed people, but at the same time, you knew all along that, A, they weren't going to take that job, or, B, they wanted – they they wanted uh, total power, and you weren't going to give it to them, so you you weren't going to hire them. But whereas you got Elton Brand, a guy who you know you want someone who could win a press conference, that's Elton. You know you want a guy who players in the league really respect and can relate to, that's Elton. And you also want a want a guy who you know is a is a young up and comer. So to me, it's one of those things where, you know, it just seems like it was delayed. It took too long, and and if you if that's the guy who you wanted to get, you could have have just decided that back in June or July. And what you could have said is, hey, look, we like Elton Brand. We think he's going to be an up and comer. We feel like you know there are other general managers now who, like, for instance, um, Bob Myers in Golden State, who weren't, like, general managers before or worked in the front office, and they're very successful. Chauncey Billups, you could bring up his name, saying a lot of teams want to go after him, and we feel like Elton Brand, a former Sixer, could do that for us. But when you don't do it, you don't bring it up, and you prolong it for months, it looks like, again, you know, you guys – are trying to pull a fast one, making it seem like you had this long process and you were going to do this and you were going to do that. But at the end of the day, you were tricking people and you and you went after the man that you were going to hire months ago. I, I kind of lean towards your, your feelings on that, Nate. Um, well, I asked Tom this question earlier, and, and I'm, so I wanted to ask you, Keith, how does the draft for the 76ers change if Elton Brand is the GM, or does it change at all? I don't, you know, it, it's tough because, you know, at, you know, it, it depends on, you know, if, if it's a draft right now, I, I, I don't know if it changes that much. I mean, I think he would have his input, but it just seems like, you know, they're talking about collaborative effort and, and you're saying stuff. You know, I mean, I mean, you know, you you guys are fighting and you're battling. And when you look at it, you know, you know, Elton, I remember before when he spoke to the media, he wasn't the GM at the time, but it was his time to speak to the media. And he also said, you know, right now you got to go for uh, 
there are players who can who are good and who are ready to step in right now, but their upside isn't you know isn't as big as some of the other guys who are young and inexperienced and but we feel like they will be great um down the road now he they also alluded to whoever they were going to draft was going to go down to the to the G League and play. So when you factor that in and factor in that this is all about free agency for them, like they, you know, were trying to go after the top guys, you know, you look at a guy like a Zaire Smith and you say, okay, he's going to go down to the G League. We're going to get an asset for him, which was that first, you know, asset, you know, with him, which was the first round pick. So, you know, I don't know how much difference it would have been because, let's face it, this draft wasn't supposed to be the big thing for him, supposed to be getting LeBron James, Paul George, you know, or um, or um, a Kawhi Leonard. So the draft was just supposed to be secondary. So I don't think it would have been that much of a difference. Yeah, that's a good point. It was – Noted, uh, outright said, I believe that you know they're looking for that third, you know, big time star. And mm-hmm. uh, you talked about the three names um, that did not end up here. Um, but what we have, uh, I'm always skeptical and cynical, but I am a, a true Blue Sixers fan. I want the best for them. Um, just a little sneaky suspicion. I, I just. Ownership-wise, I don't know. Um, I'm always skeptical. I, I don't want my team, even though, unfortunately, it's the reality, the sport to turn more into business than sport. Um, mm-hmm. And I want to compete. And in in my opinion, um, they're just if – they're, if they put Elton in that spot, it's almost like if they have a bad season – you don't have to comment on this because I know you're closer to the mm-hmm. situation than I am, but I don't want Elton Brand to be a fall guy if if they're putting out the personnel this year that they have and, say, drop to a fifth seed. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I hope that doesn't reflect on Elton Brand himself as, you know, a GM. If, if basically Brett Brown is kind of co-GM by the language that they're not really directly using. No, nah, I don't think Elton would be. See, here's the thing about – Here's the thing. Here's here's the thing about them hiring Elton. You know, the thing about them hiring Elton is it's like, you know, if they let's just say if if they drop to a fifth seed, and 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 we're going to say Elton is like the fall guy, and you know some people may say it could cost him his job. I don't see that happening. And the reason being is is that, you know, this hire, you know, some people are questioning, like we talked about, you know, you guys had a guy like a David Griffin who you decided not to go to hire, a Larry Harris who you decided not to hire, but you hired Elton Brand. So you went out kind of sort of like out on a limb to give a guy who doesn't have any experience this job. Now, if you hire him and then you fire him after a year, then it looks like you made a bad decision by hiring him. He was the bad choice. So typically what happens is 
you don't want to do that. So you're going to give him every opportunity to, uh, you know, to be successful. So, you know, I understand where you're saying what you're saying, and it does make a lot of sense. But at the same time, I believe that the 76ers are going to try to work with him to the best of their, uh, you know, ability. I mean, you know, to the best that they can to make sure that things don't don't mess up for him. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I'm, I'm, I feel more confident that you said that, uh, Keith. Honestly, I just, uh, I wouldn't want to see, um, you know, Brett having equal power or whatever. I, I want Elton to be given a fair chance. It's kind of my long-winded point, and it sounds like they're going to give him that, so I'm happy. If there's yeah, I mean, something that I... As far as like, running the show, we don't know, but at the same time, you know, at, at the same time, you know, I don't think that they're just going to be like, all right, bye, Elton. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, <laughs> gotcha. If there's something you don't want, it's a coach to be the GM and make those decisions. I'm against that 100% as of right now. Uh, due to the fact of look in Minnesota, and you guys, I haven't dived fully into this as a, as a T Wolves fan, T Wolves guy yet. I haven't went on my hate fueled speech yet, but uh, Jimmy Butler is available now for trade possibly. Uh, Keith, do you think the Sixers have interest in bringing Butler in? And if so, what would be the price that they're willing to pay to bring him? You know, right now it's so new to, to like. You know, and, and, you know, I haven't spoken to anyone because I'm, I'm basically off today. And, you know, you ask questions. But if you're – here's the thing. You know, Jimmy Butler is an all-star. You know, he named three teams that he wants to go to. Whenever you do stuff like that, it basically rises, uh, raises the price, so to speak, for outside squads. Or, you know, be, or sometimes it might scare some away. But – you know, what what I'm thinking is it's like, you know, Jimmy Butler, you know, there are a lot of teams who would take a Jimmy Butler, right? There there are a lot of teams who would yeah. take a, There are a lot of teams who would take him. So what happens is when there's a lot of teams, you know, they're, they're going to go to basically who they feel like is the highest bidder. You know what I mean? The Sixers have that first-round pick. Now, they also, they may say, hey, the stuff that y'all asked, the, 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 say the stuff that y'all offered for Kawhi, which was the first rounder, and two players, they may say, "Well, we want that too." You know, now the, that doesn't mean that the Seventy Sixers are going to give it to them, but I know that they will probably ask for that. Now, the thing about it is, you know, when whenever a player, whenever a player, um announces that he wants to be traded, every team in the league places a phone call and say, what will it take to get him? You know what I mean? So I'm pretty sure the 76ers placed a phone call today and said, what will it take? Every team, like all 29 other teams in the league did that because you have to do it. Now, in regards to Butler, the Sixers have to have to ask themselves this. He – Will he stay healthy? Because we know we're going to have to pay him. You know, we know we want to get a big three. Also, he left Chicago because you know he, he his heart is um, in the right place. 
but he left Chicago because the way he was talking to the younger guys, like they didn't, he didn't get along with them. They didn't like him. He was mean. He and Dwayne Wade, they said, were mean to him. Then next thing you know, he goes to Minneapolis and he doesn't get along with Carl Anthony Towns. Because now, again, what I mean by his heart is in the right place. You know, he's seeing these guys, and they're not working as hard as he feels like they can. They're they're not doing this and that. And he's being a leader, but he's kind of like calling them out in the media. And if you're the 76ers, you have Joel Embiid, who's the face of the team. You have Ben Simmons. You can't have them arguing with Jimmy Butler about their work ethic. So, you know, it has to be the right fit. And just because, you know, he's an all-star, you know, you know you're going to have to pay him a lot of money doesn't mean that he's going to be the right guy. You know what I mean? Like, I think that he could fit in well is also, I mean, you know, with his style of play, but is also um, you, you just, you, you got to make sure that, you know, he, he'll mesh culturally with this team. Uh, yeah, I, I totally get that. I, Nate, I, I mean, for me, it sounds idiotic to say I wouldn't want Jimmy Butler, but um, I just could see a riff in the in the chemistry and the culture, like Keith said. So, so you can keep you can keep him out there, Nate. If he'll stay. <laughs> oh, I haven't got into my my rant yet. It's coming once Keith once Keith is done with us here a little bit later. I'm gonna really go off because Keith's a professional. And I want to be a professional or win around professionals. <laughs> uh, Keith, we, we made it a little light with, with Tom and, uh, you know, just talking smack or a little messing around a little bit after we got done with the Elton brand hiring, um, specifically to be a little TMZ ish, the Meek Mill appearance at made in America. I mean, I've heard little rumblings before, but not from a legitimate source like you or Tom or anybody close um, that Ben and Joel have a little bit of, you know, silent but not so silent belief that it's their team. I'm not trying to start anything, but, you know, they were both at that event. They weren't exactly together. Um, is that something I'm making a mountain out of a molehill about? Um, <clears throat> I mean, it, it, what, that they weren't hanging together? Because Yeah, is, is that a normal I mean, thing? Because they see so much of each other. I mean, I think that's the thing with. I mean, I I think that you know, they're they're two separate individuals. You know, you right. got you got you know, Joel has his clique. You know, Joel is basically a lot of times you see him hanging out with Markel, and then you see Ben, and Ben hangs out with certain people, but he's also like with his family. So what I'm gonna say is that they get along perfectly on the floor. They are guys who who work well together, but as far as them being besties and stuff like that, no, I don't see that. <laughs> um, but but at the same time, you know, you know, there, there's a, a lot of players like you know, um, I mean, but also it's not like a relationship like Kobe and Shaq where they couldn't okay. stand each other. You know, it's it's more like you know you got two great players who mesh well on the court, but they're into different things. Like Joel is the guy who loves being on social media, clowning people, 
Whereas Ben is a guy who you go to the games and you see mom, dad, sister, brother, you know what I mean? And after the game, he leaves with them, you know? So, you know, yeah, I wouldn't really look into it. I just think that, you know, it's kind of like us. Like, you know, we got guys that we work with, that, you know, you work with, and you laugh and joke at work. But then after work, you know, you guys go home and, on the weekend, it's not like you call them and say, hey, come over and look at the game. But when Monday morning <laughs> comes, you're talking about the game. You know what I'm saying? So that, that's all. Yeah. I got you. Yeah, that makes perfect sense, actually. Um, I just have one more question, TR. I'll let you close with Keith, if that's okay. Um, my last one here for you, Keith, is uh, I've seen videos, Markel Fultz, Ben Simmons working on their jump shots. I don't know how much you've been around the team here in the off season, but – have their jump shots greatly improved this off season? Should we be expecting to see some good, better shooting from those two? You know, I haven't seen any. Uh, you know, I, I talked to people who saw Markel's. You know, and, and you know, it, you know, he's been working out, and I heard like it improved a little bit. Um, as far as Ben, I didn't see it, but basically, if you base things off of, you know, Brett Brown's conversation. I mean, press conference yesterday. When you start off and you say such and such is not going to be divine, defined by their shot, well, then you're saying to us that the shot isn't quite there yet, you know. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, it's a work in – both of them is a work in progress. And But I, I do feel like, you know, just by – based off of the things that Brett was saying, that the shot, it really isn't there yet for either one. Now, again, I could be wrong. Because, you know, we, you're just hearing stuff and you're, you know, hearing stuff secondhand and we'll have a better idea on Saturday. But, um, you know, I, I just think that, um, it you know, Ben might be getting a little better. Now, one thing I will say about Ben is it just seemed like Ben just didn't want to shoot the ball. You know what I mean? Like he, he, he had a, a, a fear of failing, whereas Markel is like he just had the yips. So... You know, I, I think that I would feel a little bit more comfortable with Ben becoming a better shooter at this time than Markel. Cool deal. All right, Keith, always a pleasure. Hope to have you on uh, around the season beginning. Uh, during the season, whenever something pops, we're always reading you. Um, can you tell our listeners where to where to find you on Twitter and so forth? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Pompey on Sixers. Um, and also on Instagram at Pompeo on Sixers, and you can read my work on Philly at philly.com. All right. All right. Thanks well, again. You're the man, Keith. Yeah. Thanks again, right. Keith, thanks for coming on. We really appreciate your time, and we hope to have you back real soon. All right. I hope to be on real soon. Thank you, sir. Have a good night. All right. That was Keith Pompey. Yes. You see, Nate, everybody gives Philly a bad rap. We have two class gentlemen, Tom Moore, Keith Pompey, close, uh, close as you can get to, to the Philadelphia 76ers and any other organizations. Always, always, you know, treat, you know, our listeners yeah. to inside information, act like perfect gentlemen. So everybody that listens to me pop off and be an idiot doesn't have to, you know, assume <laughs> all Philadelphians are like me. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. We'll talk about that when we come right back, right after this. I'm too sexy for my love, too sexy for my love, love's going to leave me. 
WowFreeCam.com is the number one cam site on the internet, and they are our gracious sponsors, and we want to invite you to check them out over at WowFreeCam.com. Anything you could imagine and whatever you want is just one click away if you go to WowFreeCam.com. What's some of the things you could check out over on WowFreeCam.com? Motorboat? Play the motorboat? You motorboat son of a bitch, you old sailor you. Or you could be into... Two chicks at the same time, man. Whatever it is that you're looking up for, WowFreeCam.com will leave you with one reaction and one reaction only. You won't want to miss out all the fun going on at WowFreeCam.com, so be sure to show them some love and go over. Hey, it's in the name. It's all free. Must be 18 or older to access the website, but make sure you get there as quick as you can to check out all the fun going on over at WowFreeCam.com. Again, must be 18 or older to visit. All right, we're back. Nate and TR here, and we are talking, well, we talked for an hour about the Philadelphia 76ers. Can you believe that? Yeah. Um, I, You know, I've been trying to barrage your anger, so, I, you know, we loaded up on the Philly talk with the signing of Elton Brand. But uh, I don't know. Are you ready to blow your stack yet or what? I guess we better get to it. Uh, for those of you not uh, – not aware, living under a rock, whatever you may call it. Um, There was a meeting scheduled today between Jimmy Butler and Tom Thibodeau, the Minnesota Timberwolves organization. Um, If you've been, if you haven't, if you don't know, where have you been? I'm a Minnesota T-Wolves fan in case this is the first time you're listening in. Jimmy Butler uh, today in his meeting with Tom Thibodeau requested a trade. He wants to be gone from Minnesota. He is looking to go somewhere where he can get a big-time max deal, not take a pay cut, and have enough room to bring another player on board in the offseason. Rumor has it Kyrie Irving is the guy that he's looking to pair up with to to form, uh, I guess, this combo to go at Golden State um, and, and such presumably maybe the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, There was a list given, apparently. It was the three teams he was looking at being – he wanted to go to was the Los Angeles Clippers, the New York Knicks, and the Brooklyn Nets. Well, according to that list – let's just break down that list for a second. The Los Angeles Clippers – um, could possibly make a decent offer to the Wolves in exchange for Butler this year and have him guaranteed to re-sign next season. Um, the Knicks and the Nets are basically the what the fuck you going to give me because all this is some shit that you're going to offer me right now. Who the fuck wants to go to the Knicks and to fucking Brooklyn? For God's sake, you can't get shit out of them. Like, what the fuck are you going to get? Fucking Ron Baker? Oh, boy, Ron fucking Baker. What a great goddamn deal that's going to be. Trade Ron Baker in. And then we're fucking, we put, we trade away, TR. Let me remind you of this. This fucking guy, this fucking guy has the balls to come into this organization, right? We trade for him. I'm ecstatic. Yes, Butler's here. Loves Coach Thibs. He fits in the system well. We've got him. 
let's do this. This motherfucker comes into our system here. All right, we trade away Zach Levine, Chris Dunn, who Dunn didn't look good. Levine was a good player, but not great at the time. And Lori Markinen. Okay, plus we get draft Justin Patton, whose foot is about as useful as a fucking peg leg on a pirate right now because he keeps breaking his goddamn foot every year. So anyway, we could have had Levine, Dunn, Markinen, all three, along with Towns, Butler, or excuse me, along with Towns, Wiggins, and company. No, we trade to get this guy. Okay, fine. We make the playoffs last year, an eight seed, because Butler goes down. All right, Butler played great last season. Can't take that away from him. You have all fucking off season. You have all the fucking time in the world. I see your fucking uh, Instagram videos, your goddamn Twitter fucking updates. You're hanging out all over the world playing goddamn dominoes and kicking a fucking soccer ball around like a mm, fucking Neymar's dick. Armando, give a shout out to Armando Martinez. Fuck Neymar and fuck Jimmy Butler. This motherfucker's more worried about the goddamn World Cup. And then he comes in. We're less than a month away from the season starts, and now motherfucker wants a trade. Now he's ready to get traded. Come to us before the draft. Let us get a pick for you. Let us draft someone for you. You Mother, this son of a bitch has the gall to pull this kind of bullshit here on this team after we've already – and then Coach Thibodeau's got his head so far up his stupid ass. His ass needs fired yesterday with this shit, because he, all he did was bring in his fucking old players from the Chicago Bulls. 2008, what a fucking team this would be. Now we've got Lou Aldang, who gets fucking hurt every time he gets a goddamn uh, fingernail clipping shaved off the wrong way. Taj Gibson's out there hanging in there. we got goddamn, uh, looking at Joachim Noah possibly coming in now, him and his two left feet. Motherfucker can't shoot a jump shot and hasn't ever been able to since he was at Florida. And now we've got Jimmy Butler wanting to leave, announces where he wants to go, and because of that, now teams are going to low balls and we can't get shit out of him. Or Thibodeau's stupid ass has already announced he don't care. He has no interest in trading him. So he's going to let him walk at the end of the year. Fuck this shit. Uh, that was interesting. I, uh, I feel for you with that whole situation. Um, also, on also. a light, on a light, on a lighter note, um, I think... Can I say one more thing real quick? One, one more thing? Sure. Alan still hasn't signed his, signed his extension. Nice. Um, I think you broke the record on on the history of podcasting for more F-bombs than, than Jim Cornette in one <laughs> di- diatribe <laughs> about something. So... Um, so you beat Corny at something there, um, and uh, I like I like the fired up profane Nate Bush. We might have to have a new character, profane angry Nate Bush. This this fucking guy, man. Like I don't understand this. I, like I don't get it. Like if you're unhappy, don't you think you should start looking in the mirror? Like everywhere this guy goes, he's unhappy. Well, like dude, maybe you're the problem. <laughs> have we ever thought about that? Like, these young players aren't putting up with your shit. Like, if if that's the issue. And Butler played great for us last season. I'm not going to knock the guy because when he went down, we were shit. He was the only reason we made the playoffs for the most part. I mean, Wiggins and Towns had decent games, but not consistently. Butler was the reason why we were in the playoffs. And this dude now wants a trade 
to two organizations that we could just like, we're not going to get anything. There's no assets to be had from these organizations. None. Their assets are their off-season contracts, and they're bringing in a free agents. They have nobody to offer. The Knicks are not going to give up Knox. The Nets are still recovering from the trade with the Boston. And Tibbs doesn't even care. Tibbs is just like, eh, I don't, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in trading Jimmy. Like, I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> like, you got to do something. You got to get something out of this guy. The sooner you trade him, the better off you're going to be. And I think we just need to get rid of Tibbs. I'm, I, I do not like where, where we're headed. We're headed back to the lottery again. Yeah, I, I mean, I hate to concur with you, but, you know, you were just uh, shaky as it is um, with the personnel that you have and that power-packed Western Conference. And, you know, to have your leading scorer and your team leader um, – come out and say he wants out of there you know i'm not agreeing with jimmy butler um but to to be a little devil's advocate um to echo what keith was suggesting you know he's hurt or whatever uh and and it also goes back to what you said about maybe you should look in the mirror but the young guys in the different and he's only a few years removed he's not exactly 50 but um he worked his way into an all-star and in practice camps, games, so forth, off-season, um, there's no question he works hard on his game. And that's got him to the talent level and the, and the level of respect as far as talent goes. Uh, but culturally, he may, be, uh, he may be a bad, like a team killer um, to where his talent can get them to the playoffs, but that's about it. I don't know. Um, it remains to be seen, but I know that you, through your Timberwolves connections, which we may talk about on the next show, uh, we'll have some more further information and, you know, hopefully um, this gets resolved for you guys. Yeah. Um, John Krasinski will be on the next episode of Why Men Can't Jump. Could not get him earlier this week. Tried. Uh, he is book solid right now with this news that broke today. However, TR, I shared this with you. I'm going to go ahead and share this. I have a source within the Wolves organization. I will not name names. I will not give hints. But I will share this with my source from the Wolves organization. Um, I asked what was going on. What is the problem up in Minnesota? What's up with the Butler situation? The source within the Wolves organization told me this. I have nothing to say about this bullshit move by Jimmy, end quote. And I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to say who. I'm not going to even point fingers. However, that speaks volumes to me. And you know who I'm talking about. Um, I, yes, I, showed you the, I showed you the message, and we will not uh, reveal that contact as we have, we've made many contacts within the wolves organization. We've had about every member of the wolves organization on this, on this show that we could get. Um, but according to Adrian Wojnarowski, who broke this new, he, um, well, it was actually John Krasinski who broke this news, um, earlier today. It was, um, it was him. And, um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to find who else it was. 
that broke this I, news. I saw the reporter's name. I forget. I, I, yeah, I forget his name. Well. Uh, he's a very prominent reporter. But um, anyway, well, uh, Krasinski will be joining us, so we will have hit. We will talk to him about this. Uh, according to what I'm being fed here, um, according to Adrian Wojnarowski. Um, the Knicks president, Steve Mills, said at a fan event, the Knicks will not trade assets for players they feel they can sign in free agency. So the Knicks aren't going to make a trade. They're just going to try and see if they can get him in free agency. Uh, according, Butler is most determined to find a way to the Clippers. Partnering with a second star, the Clippers have two max contract slots available in summer free agency. Is an interesting scenario to him. So... Butler seems intrigued on going to the Clippers to and try to lure somebody out west, uh, according to what's been told, possibly Kyrie Irving. So, TR, picture, if you will, with me here, the possibility of Jimmy Butler going to L.A. to play with the Clippers and Kyrie Irving joining him. Meanwhile, Kawhi Leonard leaves Toronto Heads and to the Lakers. He wants to play in L.A. Well, let's yep. just say Kawhi goes to the Lakers while Irving and Butler play for the Clippers. Tr, if that happens, what the hell are you going to do with the East? What's left? <laughs> well, uh, hopefully, for my sake, uh, the younger talent and you know the off season remains to be seen. But I. I hear what you're saying when you take Kyrie and, and Butler. Butler's already in the West. but It's, it's all hearsay I mean, anyway. You know, yeah. Um, and potentially Leonard, whenever his mind, body, and spirit come together, that's code in my language for get rid of the drunk uncle and start being Kawhi Leonard again, dummy. Anyhow, um, but we we already owe a bunch of dollars to the pop for mentioning him too many times tonight. Um, so, eh. um, but <laughs> what can you do during during your lowest, not lowest, but angriest moment in the history of wide men can't jump? I did have a shockingly bright moment that has nothing to do with the NBA. Would you like to hear what happened? Sure. Okay. I have uh, dark gray sweatpants on in my palatial studio here in Clifton Heights, Pennsylvania. It's so comfortable you can wear sweatpants. Well, just, you know, uh, my hands tend to wander, and I was just feeling around my perfectly chiseled body just subconsciously and reached into my left pocket of these sweatpants, which I haven't had on in probably months, and found $21 hey. that has to be one night I drank too many to have $21 in my sweatpant pocket but $21 I could use so uh, as as angry as you are I am happy tonight man this is a, uh, a great day sorry about Jimmy Butler my friend it is what it is my friend uh... Jimmy Butler's number number isn't 21 or anything like that is it 23. Oh, good. That'd be too creepy. <laughs> well, um, but Butler, 
this I just don't know where this where this stems from, and I don't understand the moves we've made this off season to to try to get better. Um, I think it's time. I really, really think it's time to relieve Tom Thibodeau of his duties. It's time for us to hire a GM and a coach, not a coach GM. If you get what I mean there, like don't hire one guy to do two jobs. This, this has got to stop. This, this is becoming madness. Flip Saunders could do it um, just because of the guy he was. That was a job he could do. We need a coach, and then we need a GM. Because clearly Tom Thibodeau is more concerned about getting his old Bulls players back. Um, I'll be, I won't be stunned when Carlos Boozer, Kirk Heinrich sign their veteran league minimum deals soon. Um, or so it seems, um, but Jimmy Butler, I just, you know what? Piss on him. I mean, that's where I'm at right now. Like, look at what we could have had versus what we have. We get to the playoffs one year and I would have told everybody that would listen, we won this trade. This was our trade. The wolves won this trade now. No way. We lost this trade. We gave up three young assets that could have developed in our system and gotten better for a prima donna, uh, a Jamie Foxx stunt double, if you will, who oh, has, now we're getting personal. has got his head so far up his ass. And I'll never say the dude didn't work hard to be what he is because he did. But you talk about a guy who is basically a – a Dwight Howard type prima donna at this point in his career to think that this guy is a top tier level talent when he's not, you're a second tier player, Jimmy, you're not on the Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, LeBron James level. You're a good defender. You're a good offensive player, but you're not the superstar you think you are. You couldn't do it in Chicago. You didn't do it in Minnesota. You won't do it in L.A. The best thing you'll do is join up with Kyrie Irving and you'll get bounced in the first round by the Lakers. And that's what will happen. And you will go back and you will be upset. You will get paid. But somehow you'll find something wrong with those young players and you'll walk somewhere else. You pussy. Instead of trying to make a team better under a coach that you love, basically, without him, you would be nothing. Instead of trying to develop players and get along with players, you want to go out and try to be a player coach when your best playoff appearance has been first round your whole career. Fuck you. Good riddance. All right. So there's that. Wow. If if, if that uh, if I can isolate that clip, get it out on YouTube or something. Jimmy Butler seems like the kind of guy that might come on to retort that. Let's come on. Let's, um, let's get that I out there. Welcome. We got to get. We got to get that one out there. That uh that that might even put my Sixers rants to shame. I don't I don't know if I ever called anybody a pussy. I might have, but. Uh, what do you call Certainly a guy that makes $188 million, but he runs away from it because he doesn't get along with the young players? Wow. Um, 
I'm kind of making light of the situation, but if it was my team, I'd be as angry as hell too. Um, especially like you said, if you're unhappy, let it be known when we're going into the draft and let's, let's do something here to make everybody. If Jimmy happy, Butler, you know, if Jimmy Butler had said after the first round of the playoffs this year, I'm unhappy, let's, you know, let's get me out of here. Let's make something happen. Okay. We can do something with this. We can make an offer. All right. We could, we could move him. You know, we can, where, where is he going? He wants to go to the Clippers. All right, fine. Give us the two first round picks Clippers. Here's Jimmy Butler and he's ready to resign. Give us your two first round picks and we'll throw in, we'll swap you picks. Give us your two picks. We'll give you our pick and throw in Tobias Harris. I think you got a deal right there. I mean, what, what's the problem with that deal? I'd pull that trigger. But no, yeah. you've got to wait till September the fucking 19th of 2018 when the fucking season tips off on October 16th and he wants to be a little bitch and come out and, then, okay, I, I need a trade. I've thought about it. Uh, I think I need a trade. You're unhappy everywhere you go. You need to start figuring out what the common denominator is and all that. And I think it's you, pal. That's just me, hey, man. I, I don't want to read too much into that because I don't like a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I, I don't want any hidden metaphors there, Big Nate. Yeah, T.R., but think about it. How much more friendly would you be if you were making the kind of money Jimmy Butler was making right now? <laughs> Oh shit! I'd be kissing baby, or well, I kiss babies. Oh yeah, I like babies, but exactly, you know, I'd be uh, I'd be hugging strangers, brother. Exactly. This dude could have made 188 million dollars if he resigns a new deal in the off uh, next year with Minnesota. He signs a max deal for 188 million dollars. We keep Towns on another five year deal. We build in some shooting. We got a fucking team that could make a run here in about a year or two, but no. What's Tom Thibodeau do? Let's go sign Lou Aldang. Let's go sign all my boys from Chicago. <laughs> just makes no sense. Man, I, I I have a feeling season two of Why Men Can't Jump isn't going to be as um, optimistic <laughs> as season one was on both, on both ends. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Only time will tell. But, you know. Eh. Uh, you, you take the good years with the bad years, my friend. That's just how I've uh, how I've learned. I had uh, a lot of bad years, and so now, well, uh, I'll take uh, take my one decent year, and uh, we'll just take our lumps and move on. You know, what's what's crazy as a Philadelphia guy, a Sixers guy specifically, and and you as a T Wolves guy, it's it's almost sacrilegious. It is sacrilegious to on my end, um, say nice things about the Knicks and the Celtics, and on your end to say nice things about the Bulls. Um, but, hell, they're putting us in a position, these uh, these players and front office people, to where it's hard to like our own guys anymore. You know what I mean? It's, uh, <laughs> it's tough. We're turning, he- other- we're turning heel. We're turning heel on our players. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's tough. Thank God I got T.J. McConnell to, to cheer for all year. And uh, hey, I still got Towns, man. I still got Cat. Still got Cat. But joining us right now, <laughs> he now it, the last time he talked to us, he didn't have this position. But now he works for NBC Sports in Chicago. 
Michael Walton. What's up, Michael? Hey, how's it going, guys? Yeah, long time no see, and I'm definitely very excited to be back on the show. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate uh, we appreciate having you. It's kind of like we've had segues unintentionally tonight because uh, uh, Nate just really let the Timberwolves, his his team, have it, and Jimmy Butler specifically. And uh, we collectively here, and you can correct us if, if we're wrong because you would know better than anyone else. For some reason, Nate and I independently feel that the young talent in the Bulls has a chance if chemistry evolves, to, to maybe sneak into an eighth position in the, in the weaker Eastern Conference. Are we crazy? Okay, and first off, guys, I just want to make sure, can you, can you still hear me right now? Yes, sir. Yeah, we got you. Okay. Okay, no problem. I had a little headphone issue. I had to switch up the audio there. But, yeah, just making sure I understood the full question there. Uh, it was, you know, with the Bulls' young talent currently as constructed, uh, you said, would you guys be crazy to think they could sneak into an eighth seed? Yes. Okay, awesome. I was just making sure I got it. So, yeah, uh, for starters, um, God, I don't. this is such a cop-out, but I guess I would say not crazy, but definitely a little uh, little, little overzealous, maybe jumping the gun. I, I don't know what's the way to say it in the middle. I guess frisky. I, I like frisky as, a, <laughs> as an adjective there. It's a little frisky to say that. But I definitely think on paper, if we're talking strictly talent, yes, this, this team – definitely has the talent to sneak into an eighth seed because this is a discussion that pretty much nationally, I think, is going on with LeBron leaving the East. Is, you know, the East might be so weak now. It's like, what is the lowest that the eighth seed is going to have in terms of wins here? And I think if we're overall just being general, historically, I'd say at the worst, maybe somewhere in the 36 to 40 range is what you're looking at for, for an eighth seed. So, I don't think the Bulls are going to sniff 40 wins at all. But, I mean, if you're telling me 37-38 gets you into the playoffs, I I think if the right buttons are pressed, uh, yeah, this thing could get to like a 37 mark, I guess. You know, best best case. All right, so we're half crazy, Nate. (laughs) Everyone has told us how stupid we are for thinking that the Bulls are – because I'm telling you, I think the Bulls make the playoffs this season. I really do. I like the young well, talent. Go ahead. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm I'm very high on the young talent, and obviously I'm not, I'm not sure if you guys knew this about me because, like I said, this is, I love the pot a lot, but I think this is only my second time on. But I'm I'm a native of Chicago, so, you know, lifelong, lived here all my life, born and raised on the south side. So same as with Derrick Rose, bringing in Jabari Parker, a guy whose story, and I'm not sure if you guys read his, uh, he had a Players' Tribune article that was quite beautiful that he wrote about what Chicago as a city meant to him in terms of being home. And so all of that stuff off the court really is probably, you know, the overall reason Jabari came here. He could sell jerseys. He could sell tickets. Everybody feels good and is very excited about him maybe being more of a feature player than he was in Milwaukee where things sort of turned out a little bit differently than he expected. But uh, just to get back to basketball really quickly, the reason I think it's jumping the gun on the Bulls making playoffs is because offensively, the talent is there for, and again, knock on wood, God, I feel crazy saying this, but if everything was to go completely right, this can be a top 10 offense. It sounds insane, but the, the parts are there because Fred Hoiberg, his entire philosophy since his Iowa State days has been push the pace, push the tempo, get up as many threes as you can and get to the rim, specifically in transition. 
and Jabari Parker just happens to be dynamite. Maybe his best skill is getting the ball off the board, taking the rebound, and just taking it himself, you know, grab and go and just push it in transition. So you got his talent, Laurie Markin's ability to shoot the three. I believe his three-point attempt rate last year was uh, somewhere in the 46% range. So you're talking about a guy who's just bombing from deep. You got a guy who's great in transition. Zach Levine, theoretically, is supposed to be your alpha dog, easy 20-plus point-a-game scorer. And we haven't even talked about my personal favorite player on the Bulls, Chris Dunn, who is right now your only really decent player in the starting lineup, I guess, besides Lopez. So if everything breaks right, you got a team that's going to be running teams out, and they're going to win a lot of games 120 to 117, as I like to say. A lot of three-point victories where there's no defense at all. But the Bulls' defense has also the parts to be historically bad. And that's why the chances of them making the playoffs are so low. And whenever I'm talking to people about if they think the Bulls can make the playoffs, the question I always say is between Cleveland, Detroit, and Brooklyn, throw in Chicago, those four teams, how are you ranking them one through four? And every time I try to do it, no matter how much favoritism I try to give to the Bulls, I never can really put them higher than three because it's just Detroit also has the talent. So obviously, they should be a playoff team with Blake Griffin and Drummond. Then you got Reggie Jackson, knock on wood, healthy for a full season. Kevin Love is, you know, kind of weird stuck on that Cleveland roster. But Brooklyn is a team that's in the same place as Chicago. And while we may have more top-heavy talent, I think Brooklyn has a better overall collection of young pieces. So even they may be a little bit further along in the rebuild. So in two years, I think, you know, it's easy. The Bulls will definitely be a playoff team just by virtue of Laurie marketing, I believe, developing into an all-star level by the time we're talking about him being 24, 25, of course. But just as currently constructed, I don't see how they can prevent themselves from being a bottom 10 defense. And just to be honest with you guys, that's just because from what I've heard and what, you know, generally has been reported, Jabari's supposed to start at the three. And I think starting Jabari Parker at the three with Zach Levine at the two guard, that's, that's just a recipe for a disaster. That's like a turnstile. It's your wings basically on defense. Yeah. yeah. De- defense is uh, – uh, go ahead, Nate. I was just saying I don't like that. I don't like Jabari at the three. I would prefer to, to probably move Markin into the three as a guy who can – who can stretch the floor a little more, put Jabari at the four, have Lopez or Wendell Carter at the five. Uh, you still got Bobby Portis, though. You still got, um, you know, like Chris Dunn, who's a, who's a very good defensive player. Um, Justin Holliday is a good shooter. You've got the shooting talent. There's no doubt about that. Um, the defense, though, will be the problem. I would rank Chicago over Brooklyn right now. I would rank them over Cleveland. Right oh, now. okay. I would. Okay, I Cleveland I'm not so shocked by. But Cleveland I'm not too shocked by, but I would like to hear why you like them more than Brooklyn, just because that, that brings warmness to my heart. I'm always such a Debbie Downer. So, but, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Brooklyn, to me, last season, they they just kind of were underwhelming. I like Jared, Jared Allen. Damari Carroll's not what he once was. Um, Dinwiddie is a good player. They bring in Jared Dudley, who's just, I, I, I just kind of old in the tooth. He, he's, uh, <laughs> yeah, very doesn't, much so. he doesn't do anything for me. Hollis Jefferson okay, is a good not... player. D'Angelo Russell, I like, but I'm not in love with. Meanwhile, Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, uh, I've seen what Levine can do. I, I know what Dunn can do. 
marketing just gets better. Um, really yeah, didn't yeah. like – I did not like the Wendell Carter draft pick. And then I watched him play in summer league and, yeah. and things like that. Then I fell in love with that kid's game. I think he's fantastic. Jabari Par- – okay, let me hedge my bet on Chicago making the playoffs, though. Jabari Parker has to be healthy. If Jabari Parker has another yeah. oh, injury-riddled yeah. season, no way. But I like – I even like Bobby Portis. I like – if they play Os- uh, Omar Oshik, I like him. I, I just think Chicago's got a lot they can offer. Justin Holiday's a sneaky good player. Uh, and the East, to me, isn't as good this year as it was last year. Well, I mean, it's good. I know, that's it's true. More, it's more middle of the road. Cleveland, to me, is a bottom four team in the East. Brooklyn, they got a bunch of guys on expiring contracts, so they're just kind of like the worse they finish this year, the happier they are. I'm not going to say they're going to encourage tanking because they're going to go out and sign two major free agents in the offseason. That's their goal. Um, I right. think what they'll do, they'll move and try to – trying to make sure that they get their two players in the offseason and get a good draft pick to try to luck in. They're not concerned about making the playoffs this year. They're more concerned about the next few years. Cleveland re-signed Love, and they bring in Channing Frye. Uh, not exactly uh, getting me excited if I'm a Cleveland fan. I'm, I'm looking at the draft. Colin Sexton's not ready for the NBA like I thought he was. I just think it's natural for the Bulls and the Pistons to just slide in to those final two playoff spots. That that's about the best actually, you know, argument I've heard for that. And I would say, you know, if the Bulls are gonna sneak in, yeah, I do still think the Pistons then would probably get that seventh spot. What I would say, and again, I don't want to go too far on the Nets because again, I I'm for NBC Chicago, not not Brooklyn. So uh, but I do just want to use their players in reference because I think they're a good starting point when talking about the Bulls rebuild. Uh Rondé Hollis Jefferson is a guy I like a ton just because there's a ton of two-way upside. He's starting to get better at the free-throw line. I think he's probably in the mid to low 70s, so still not great. But he's a 6'8 guy who you need if you're going to guard the LeBron Jameses and the Kevin Durants in the world. And, you know, you need a big, athletic, strong three to throw at those guys. Rondé Hollis Jefferson can do that. And also he can play the four. Offensively, you know, you're going to get what you're going to get. It's not going to be a lot. But he's a young player on a reasonable contract who can sort of guard maybe four you know, three to four positions. The Bulls are missing exactly that kind of guy. And the reason I agreed with you completely on the Jabari needs to be healthy point is because even though putting him at small forward is for sure putting a round peg into a square hole, uh, you know, I've seen Jabari in some games this summer, actually, some pickups since he's been back in Chicago, and he is noticeably slimmer. He is noticeably quicker. You know, uh, we'll see with the jump shot how that comes along. But he's he's back to, you know, in really good playing shape to where I think, you know, he can play the three offensively, space the floor enough and get to the rim and the free throw line hopefully enough to where offensively, even if he plays more minutes at the four, he'll give you enough at the small four to where you can play, you know, whoever else. But when you even if Jabari's great at the three, when you talk about the backup three, the Bulls are really, really in some trouble. And even with LeBron James out of the East, you know, you still need to be able to guard. You know, you got your Kawhi Leonard's now. You got Jason Tatum. You got quality threes who you're going to be going up against on a nightly basis. And we're thinking about Denzel Valentine, who I love, but, you know, he's purely a three-point shooter at this point. He's not going to really guard anyone. You have him. You have Chandler Hutchinson, who I'm glad, actually, I just thought of because we haven't really mentioned him. And he's going to be a big key to – 
the bulk ceiling this year because that Nico Mirtich trade, people forget, you know, we were all thinking when that trade went down, New Orleans was going to miss the playoffs and the Bulls are going to have two shots at the lottery. Instead, Nico actually ends up fitting perfectly next to Anthony Davis. That pick falls to number 22, and the Bulls make the, uh, you know, it was reported that they promised him they would take him there, and that's why he pulled out of the combine. So Chandler Hutchinson, we don't really know much about him, but at 6'7", he's supposed to be a sort of, three and D do it all for it. And in summer league, he was very advanced as a pick and roll passer, uh, which I didn't expect. So if Hutchinson and one of Valentine or someone can combine to make a quality 48 minutes of small forward, then I think we can talk about the Bulls being a playoff team. But it's just because even if Jabari is great at the three, when he goes to the bench, you know, Laurie at the three, I believe was mentioned earlier, that could work in Spurts, but I mean, Bulls fans I know here would be furious just because putting Nico near to just a small forward was something we tried a lot when we when he was here, and those lineups just beat up on defense because you know you just don't have the foot speed to really keep up. So Lori would probably struggle trying to guard threes. I think what we're going to see down the line, and people are going to be pretty upset, but Wendell Carter's not going to play as much as they people think he should because the Bulls are probably going to play Bobby Portis out the year to try to get up his trade value and trade him because he's actually going to be a restricted free agent. So this is probably the highest his trade value is going to be. And he had an excellent year last year. I was actually getting some buzz and most of it from himself, to be fair. But <laughs> he was getting some buzz for sixth man of the year, possibly in 2019, if he was to have another standout year. So you got Bobby Fortis, Laurie Marketing, Jabari Parker, because I'm still really going to count him as a power forward. And then Robin Lopez, you got a jammed front court. So Wendell Carter will probably, hopefully, get somewhere in the 20 minute a night range. But if we're talking closing lineups, I think people are going to be shocked because Jabari will likely be closing games with power forward. Uh, since Laurie Marketing gained all that muscle this offseason, I think you're going to see games closing with Laurie at the five, Jabari at the four, Chris Dunn and Zach Levine, of course, in the backcourt. And then they're just going to play the hot hand at small forward, whether that be. Chandler Hutchinson, uh, you know, Denzel Valentine. I'm only not mentioning Justin Holiday, just because while he is a great veteran leader, I think the writing's on the wall for Justin. He is expiring, I believe, so he likely will be shipped to a contender. If not at the start of the season, I think somewhere by midseason, the Bulls will probably do right by him and try to move him to a, a Golden State or Houston or whatever team needs a little extra wing depth, because he doesn't fit into the team's long-term plans, but at the very least, he'll be on the roster because he is a great team leader. But I just think it's hard to see Justin Holliday getting a ton of minutes. When Chandler Hutchinson, you know, they invested a first-round pick in him, so he's supposed to see some playing time. And then Denzel Valentine has complained about being a starter his whole life. So while you need quality minutes at the three, they're going to have to play their young guys. And really seeing how the Bulls kind of play that balance is why this is going to be, in my opinion, you know, try not to be biased, the most interesting team in the league this year. And uh, I just quickly want to throw out there, guys, Robin Lopez, I had just mentioned him briefly. I think he's the true key to tell what this Bulls team will be doing in the future. And uh, I'm actually writing a story about that right now for BullsConfidential.com, which uh, I'm still the editor-in-chief of, and you can follow up on Twitter as well. But basically, the Wendell Carter-Robin Lopez dynamic is interesting because he's sort of being Wendell Carter's, you know, veteran mentor as he should be right now, showing him the tricks of the trade. But if the Bulls truly want to move on with the youth movement, 
the move would be to trade Robin Lopez or buy him out and just start Wendell outright. But the Bulls have talked about they don't want to be in the lottery is what they stated publicly. They want to be a competitive playoff team. So in that case, keeping Robin Lopez, obviously starting him to keep that depth and bring Wendell off the bench is what would make you the strongest team to compete for a playoff spot. So I would tell everyone who's not a Bulls fan and just interested in the team for the outside, keep an eye on how many minutes a game Robin Lopez is getting and whether or not he's on the team by the trade deadline because that will really signify whether or not the Bulls are being honest and they are pushing for the playoffs or whether or not they're likely going all in on the rebuild. Because once you get rid of Robin Lopez, as good as Wendell Carter is, a team that young can't really make the playoffs. And so you're talking about getting a lottery pick in a draft that's going to be pretty good on wings at the top. And the Bulls being a team that need a small forward, you know, this wouldn't be the worst year to get a pretty high lottery pick. Good point. Um, me being a Philadelphia guy, switch gears a little bit. We we opened the show about the news of the hiring of uh, actually a Chicago Bulls number one draft pick, Elton Brand. Um, we talked to uh, Tom Moore and um, Keith Pompey, who are very close following and, and reporters in Philadelphia uh, on the Sixers earlier, and I, I have my own thoughts on it. But just just because you're in a large market of Chicago, Midwest, et cetera. How, how's the rest of the basketball world feeling about that, that hiring? Yeah, it's actually funny you uh, ask about that because at uh, NBC Sports Chicago, actually on our website, which would just be NBCSportsChicago.com, I actually wrote about uh, that hiring today, but just a little small blurb. But basically, uh, general feeling what I'm getting here is that, you know, people were pretty excited about it, of course, just because I think pretty much every team Elton Brands played for has been a pretty well-liked guy and, generally considered a right. team leader, and that's even going back to Duke, being a big Duke fan. He was excellent back in those days, of course, leading to him being number one. But Elton Brand uh, as GM of the Sixers, my, the reason, excuse me, that it was interesting to me was because I think it really can possibly open up some doors here. Uh, just being a former player and so recently a former player, I believe it was 2016 or so uh, that he retired. But basically it's just if this partnership is to work out well, it can sort of change the way NBA franchises think about building their front offices. And it's just because of the fact that Brett Brown, if people were sort of following the team during that transition, Brett Brown was making a lot of the day-to-day decisions that a general manager would do during that time where they were doing the search. And during the draft, you know, Brett Brown was pretty much the lead decision maker when that trade was happening, uh, trading Macau Bridges for, uh, I believe that was Zaire Smith. So, Brett Brown was doing a pretty good job of sort of helping doing the day-to-day operations and being a sort of fill-in GM. And Elton Brand being so new to the job, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what ideas he brings to the table and, you know, how he puts his stamp on the team. Because, you know, his only experience, I believe, prior to this was working as the GM of their G League franchise and then just working as a general consultant with the Sixers. So, he basically went on the fast track for a former player to become, you know, a head person in the front office. But the point I'm getting at here is Brett Brown, you know, is still going to have a lot of power, a lot of control, a lot of voice, obviously, of how the team should be built and what's happening. And because Elton Brand's so new to all of this, and I'm sure is going to be relying on, you know, as many of his sort of, you know, experienced coworkers to sort of help him out there, it's going to be interesting to see if it's sort of, 
works as Elton Brand and Brett Brown being the sort of two-headed monster as a GM, though, of course, Brand is still the GM. It just seems like, you know, from what I've read, and I believe it was an issue with the Sixers uh, during their interview with uh, the former Cavs GM, David Griffin, is that they don't have, you know, necessarily the most uh, traditional structure in how their front office is built. So that can be a turnoff for some more old-school GMs, but obviously Elton Brand would not be old-school being a former player and, like I said, being green in terms of his experience. So I'm really excited for it. I think it's going to work out well just because Philly already has, of course, as you guys know, a good base of talent to work from from the start and a bevy of drastic to make maneuvers. So I think it's going to work out well. But being a big Duke fan and an even bigger Bulls fan, I was definitely happy to see Elton Brand get the job. That's cool. Uh, that's cool to hear from somebody outside of Philadelphia. Me, I don't know if I'm optimistic because it's Elton Brand or just because I, I despise the guy who lost us 253 games on purpose in four seasons uh, and was replaced with a guy who had 253 Twitter accounts. So <laughs> I have uh, some kind of name and face and stability now, uh, you know, going into the season finally. So. Yeah, like I said, I just think the fact that Brand is so new to the job, and like I said, the fact that he doesn't have a ton of experience and he'll be learning a lot sort of while he's on the job and relying on the people who have sort of been around the infrastructure for a while, it's just going to make it easier for him to transition in. And the fact that he's a former player, like I said, that really can never hurt if you're talking about negotiations with attracting players. I think a lot of free agents, which is something a lot of people aren't thinking about with this move, a lot of free agents, especially, of course, the ones who went to Duke. But just in all seriousness, a lot of free agents would be much more comfortable when you come for a meeting with the Sixers and you see Colton Brand on the other side of that table as opposed to a Brian Colangelo or even a David Griffin or a Sam Hinkie. It's just different when you see a former player on the other side of that table. Right, I hear you. Um, well, let's just go ahead and, and uh, let's talk about the elephant in the room. And I'm not talking about me or my waistline or the fact that I have a big nose on this. Hold on. Uh, let's talk about Jimmy Butler, the cowardice. Um, excuse me, I should be more professional. The jerk uh, running from Minnesota like the proverbial scalded dog because I can't get along with the young players. And Jimmy Butler. So uh, what are your thoughts on the uh, – the a-hole that is Jimmy Butler, Michael. Yeah, um, <laughs> I, I, I would say it a, a little bit differently, but no, in all, in all seriousness, for the most part, I, I would agree, I guess. But my thing is, you know, Jimmy is being my, my favorite phrase I've heard and used myself a few times, this diva. He, he wasn't a diva at all. He was as far away as you can get from it when he came up here in Chicago. He was originally one of Thibodeau's biggest successes in terms of taking a guy who was a – very hard-working, you know, albeit not skilled role player, and helping him, you know, along with his hard work, of course, transform into one of the, I would say, top at least 12 to 15 players in the league. Point being, uh, I was very disappointed with it. I sort of saw the writing on the wall, though. Um, I had been watching pretty much all of their games last year while I was writing for fan size about the Timberwolves, and that's when I really got to, you know, see this team's flaws up close. And the thing about it is there's just a lot of different ways this can go and how different people should feel within the organization. So 
just the first point about Jimmy, I think this is one of the few times I would say an agent or a manager or whoever should tell Jimmy Butler or should try to nudge him to release something publicly, almost just sort of clarifying why he is doing the what he's doing. And the reason, you know, it amuses me is because usually I say, you know, players, these guys have a right to do whatever the heck they want, obviously, and they should, and they should play where they want, and they should play with who they want and have the coaches they want because this is the freedom of movement era, and, you know, this is how we play. You know, you pay your guys, you can get your guys, everyone can do whatever they want. But Jimmy is now essentially has, you know, in some way or another forced himself off of two playoff teams. And if you're a guy who's going to say your ultimate goal is to win a championship and you're ultimately a competitor above, above all else, which is what Jimmy has pretty much marketed himself as for all of his career, and, you know, he has been tough as nails competitor who's all about winning over everything, this is just a curious move. And, you know, I'm not going to say that the Timberwolves aren't in a net franchise from the ownership down because that's sort of where those problems always stem from. But um, when his list of teams was released, and I'm sure you guys, you know, talked about that a little, or at least, you know, saw that. Because the list of teams yeah. was really sort of sent me over the edge. And, oh, and then sir. the reason for that. <laughs> oh, sir, yeah, you didn't it, hear. You haven't heard what I said. But, uh, yeah, the <laughs> yeah. list of teams is almost like he's uh, just giving everybody the middle finger right now. Uh, it's like, okay, well, here, trade me to the Knicks. No offense to any Knicks fans out there. What in the blue hell are the Knicks going to offer for Jimmy Butler? Ron Baker and a, a great steak or a good cheesesteak sandwich or something? Nice pizza from downtown? <laughs> Give me a break. Exactly. And the rumor that I've, you know, seen and heard some places is that, you know, there is the idea out there that Kyrie Irving, because he actually has ties to the New York area, it would make a little bit more sense for him. But, you know, I don't know who, why anyone will go to go to the Knicks. But, again, he has connections there because I believe he's from the Jersey area. But if Kyrie Irving was to go to the Knicks and him and Jimmy Butler are very good friends and have talked about wanting to play together, then I get it if, if you know, if Jimmy knows something we don't and then you're telling me the Knicks are going to have a team with Jimmy Butler, Kyrie Irving, and Kristaps Porzingis, you know, sure, you know, that, that's a great move. But if he doesn't know that, you know, if they haven't already talked about teaming up on the Knicks, then, yeah, there is absolutely no reason – that that team should be on his list. And even with Kyrie Irving and Jimmy Butler, you know, I'm not sure if they should see that as the end all, the be all for their franchise, or excuse me, for their careers at this point. But uh, as far as the rest of the list, I just want to say, guys, I literally like refreshed my phone a few times when I saw Clippers because I was like, oh, that's weird. Like I said, Jimmy Butler, like <laughs> one of the teams that you thought about was the Clippers. I was like, that can't be right. And I just completely don't get that because, A, Every time I hear the storyline that's been developing of how guys don't want to go to the Lakers because they don't want to play with LeBron, I'm just like, all right, well, that's beyond me. Why? Cool. Have fun. Don't go to the NBA Finals because that's pretty much all you have to – that's all you do when you play with LeBron is you get to go to the Finals and have a shot at all a right. championship. So it's like you don't want to play with LeBron. You want to go to the stepsister team of the you know, Los Angeles and play for the Clippers who people didn't really – care about as much as the Lakers, even when they were the winning team in the city and making, you know, playoff runs every year. So I just, and Doc Rivers, not the most inspiring coach at the world in the world at this stage of his career, you know, your roster's built around a, a young 19 year old point guard. I believe who was just drafted in Shea Gillius Alexander. 
You got Tobias Harris, maybe, who's expiring. So I'm assuming most of Tobias Harris's money would go to Jimmy. It's just, an, yeah, it would be a weirdly built team. And, you know, I saw somewhere online someone said Jimmy Butler basically, you know, made the uh, – God, I'm sorry, I'm losing the wording here. Oh, he made it known that money is what he's valuing, essentially, with these teams <laughs> that he put on this list. And it's funny because to myself, I thought, no, stupidity is what he's valuing. <laughs> because if he just stays in Minnesota, he can make the most amount of money because that's how the, you know, CBA, how salary caps are structured. He can get the biggest possible extension if he stays with Minnesota. And the craziest part about it, guys, is, you know, I'm so frustrated with Jimmy. I haven't even actually talked about the Timberwolves, and that's what I'm most upset about. Covering this team, their flaws were really just a bench that was absolutely lacking in anything in the way of production. So they actually added Anthony Tolliver, who that's sort of a deep dive for the casual fan, but Anthony Tolliver is just a decent stretch for veteran plays defense. And uh, I think he shot 44% in the three point line last year. So that's a little bit of an aberration, but point being Minnesota made some additions to their bench. They kept Derek Rose who played great in the playoffs. If their bench is a little bit better, this team, especially with Tyus Jones, who is, one of the best backup point guards in the league last year, being a year older behind Jeff Teague, they have the truth to just keep maturing. And their offense, I believe, via offensive rating, points per 100 possessions, was fifth, I think, in the league. But don't quote me on that, but I know for a fact they were a top 10 offense in the NBA playing Tom Thibodeau's weird 90s-style brand of basketball. So if this team is a top 10 offense, which they were, and they were a bottom five defense, I'm pretty sure, that means all they have to do is get close as they can to being an average defense, like somewhere in the 14 to 18 range, just like 17th best defense in the NBA. And you're talking about a team that could maybe win a round or two in the playoffs. And, you know, you're talking about Western Conference final contenders. So, excuse me, with, with a little bit of just age, you know, improvement from another year of experience and learning defense, that they would be a really good team. And, again, Carl Anthony Towns is probably the player I'm highest on in the NBA just because his ceiling is so remarkable. And the part of that is, you know, he got owned in the playoffs by Clint Capella and just clearly showed he wasn't ready for that sort of intensity. And he only made a small step on defense. And, really, he needs to make a huge step because of how much he's lacking in defensive awareness. So let's just say Carl Anthony Towns makes that step on defense this year. Jimmy Butler could possibly be playing with, you know, a top 10 player in the NBA while he himself is one of those players. And Wiggins, at that point, who's still filled with a ton of potential, whatever he gives you is just bonus on top of that. So I don't really get what he's going for to leave a team this young. He was supposed to come in and be the guy to show them, you know, how to win, not just complain about them not knowing how to do it. And I really don't think he's going to avoid – you know, he's not going to go to better locker rooms with any of these teams he's going to, mostly because he's inserting himself into them. So I feel bad saying it, but just especially being a Bulls fan all my life and seeing Jimmy Butler early on, I never thought I would say this, but his career, minus the finals appearances and honestly a lot of the accolades, obviously, it's starting to take the turn of Dwight Howard. And I say that because it feels like Jimmy Butler's obviously going to get traded to his new team. It feels like he's going to finish out his contract there probably take an overpaid contract with another team after that. And it feels like at the end of Jimmy Butler's career, we may just wonder, you know, man, why didn't he stick things out with, you know, this team or that team? Because who knows? But, yeah, just a lot of curious decisions for a guy who 
at this stage in his career, if he could really just focus on what his strengths are and find a team to match that, to really have a chance to be a title contending player. But I think a big part of that is he's not admitting that he can't be the lead guy. He's trying to still prove that when really at this stage in the NBA, there's no need to try to prove you're the lead guy anymore. You know, the Golden State Warriors exist. It doesn't matter if you have a lead guy, you need three or four lead guys. So it's really no point in him trying to make a team in the fashion he's trying to make one. I think the saddest part of this is I've read reports that Tom Thibodeau has no plans to trade Jimmy Butler or, or has stated something of that nature. So even he seems a little bit in denial about the whole situation and, you know, I've predicted many a times that if Butler was to ever leave the team, it would cost Thibodeau his job. I never want anyone, obviously, to lose their job, but it just seems like if Jimmy leaves and, and this team regresses, you know, who who knows what's going to happen and who's going to be around. But there is also the off chance, I'd, I'd like to walk, uh, walk Timberwolves fans off the ledge a little bit, there is the off chance that there's the less is more effect, and Jimmy Butler's departure actually – signal some sort of turn for the franchise and the young guys start to get it together. Because I think the biggest person to look at in all of this is probably Andrew Wiggins. Kyle Anthony Towns is going to be good regardless, even though obviously more shots for him is even better. But Andrew Wiggins really last year started to make very small increments on defense for anyone who watched like a large amount of Timberwolves games. You could see the effort was there. He was at least trying off ball, he was starting to pay attention and actually, you know, predict when he was about to get screened and flip around screens and stick with his man. So Wiggins started to play a little bit more on the defensive side of the ball last year, but his offense just absolutely fell off of a cliff efficiency-wise because he was not used to being a third option with Jimmy and Cat taking pretty much all the shots. And also Wiggins just pretty much, you know, was pissed off, I think, fairly, because it was a guy who was the number one pick and was told, you know, when he was there that he and Carl Anthony Towns were going to be the people taking all of the shots. So it's obviously tough to sort of face the music and you have Jimmy Butler taking all the clutch time. So with Jimmy Butler gone, there is the off chance that Wiggins finally has turned a little bit of a corner on defense and that finally Wiggins, who his number one weakness, in my opinion, is probably the fact that it seems like he doesn't care a lot. Wiggins may finally care. He may be a little pissed off. Jimmy Butler sort of just, you know, obviously complaining his way off the team. Him and Cat, Wiggins and Cat pretty much being the reason for that. He may be pissed off, and Wiggins may use that as motivation to have the best season of his career. And if Wiggins and Cat can serve as efficient two-way players with the offensive talent they have, if they can play both sides of the ball, then Jeff Teague and D. Rose and all these bench guys you got, they can just fall in line and play their small roles that actually make sense around just two central players instead of this weird jigsaw puzzle you kind of have with Jimmy and Wiggins fighting for, you know, possession of the ball when Cat really needs to be getting his share. So basically what I'm getting at is Jimmy being traded may simplify things for the team. And if they get a player, like, just off the top of my head, you know, a D'Angelo Russell or a Tobias Harris or something like that in a Jimmy Butler trade, there's a chance that the Timberwolves may build a better team for now and the future by getting a younger guy. So I would definitely say for Timberwolves fans, you just have to look at the fact that, you know, yes, the Timberwolves were awful in every second last year when Jimmy Butler was out, but there is a chance that Jimmy Butler being off the team has the sort of Ewing effect, so to speak, to where they start to band together and play together better without the guy who was their best player. So. Optimism. Do you got anything for Michael? 
Uh, not really. Just the, the comment on the the Clippers. Yeah, that's a head scratcher as well. The only thing I can <laughs> yeah. put together is maybe uh, you know LeBron setting a trend of uh, show business because he did mention New York and L.A. Uh, at Butler did, and maybe he's in the running for a buddy cop film with Billy Crystal. What do I know? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's the only Clipper well, fan funny. I can think of. It's funny that that he meant that Michael, you mentioned that um, Dwight Howard because I believe that was the guy I compared him to earlier <laughs> in my uh, hate fueled rant. Uh, oh really? Yeah, I mean, it feels like that, right? It does. It feels exactly like that. But uh, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. We're going to be talking with uh, John, uh, not John. Excuse me. Um, John. Yeah, it is John. John Krasinski. Excuse me, John Krasinski. Uh, this week and he'll have a, oh, from the, we'll have from a the athletic. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be talking with him on Friday. He's a friend, uh, comes on the show. We'll be talking to him on, uh, this week. Um, and it should be on the show next week. Um, uh, his talk and we will definitely get the inside scoop on all the Jimmy Butler details. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. John's work is great. I love John. Well, while I have this, uh, little time here, is it cool if I plug a few things? Is that all right with you? Guys? Please go ahead. Plug away. Yeah, so for, for, I mean, I think people probably know if they're listening to this uh, podcast at some point, but uh, my Twitter handle is ZenMasterMike, and that's pretty much where you can find everything I'm working on. But right now at BullsConfidential.com, that is the Bulls blog I run, we do have uh, top ten storylines for the 2018-19 season for the Bulls getting ready to roll out. uh, Starting off with our first post, which, like I said, I mentioned a bit earlier, is going to be focused on the Robin Lopez, Wendell Carter dynamic sort of at the center position. And then uh, outside of that, guys, we do actually have some podcast content uh, under the way for Bulls Confidential. It will be the Bulls Confidential podcast. So all that is going to be recording. So hopefully we'll have some updates on that on my Twitter soon. And uh, last thing pretty much on NBCSportsChicago.com, you can find actually my latest piece, which I also have at the top of my Twitter, which is about the Jimmy Butler trade. And once it went down, I sort of wrote something revisiting the trade on draft night because if you read anything from the night of that trade, pretty much all the headlines are about how the Bulls are incompetent and pretty much made the worst trade of all time. And it's just really funny to sort of revisit that now that this news has come out, obviously, that Jimmy Butler has demanded a trade. So definitely read that piece of mine over at NBC Sports Chicago and you know, look a little bit about, think about what's interesting is also to look at what Minnesota could have been had they kept Laurie Markin and Zach Levine and Chris Dunn and sort of built through the youngsters organically. So it's an interesting piece. Definitely check that out. Yeah, outside of that, follow me on Twitter, then Master Mike. And guys, I always appreciate coming on the Wine Men Can't Jump podcast. Like I said, I don't want to make this a, you know, a every now and then thing. I definitely want to be on as, as much as I can because you guys got great content. And uh, I'm excited to listen to that episode with John. I'm going to be looking forward to that. Oh, I'll, I'll make sure we get it up next week for you. And I appreciate all the, the kind words. And then you talked me off the ledge as a T-Wolves fan. Then you mentioned we could have had Mark and, and all that. And then I'm back on the ledge. Oh, thanks. Um, I appreciate it. No, no, no it's okay. Hop, hop off the ledge. You guys are going to get somebody good. If, if, uh, if you guys want my official prediction, actually, on my way out, I actually think Jimmy Butler is going to get traded to Brooklyn. And I think the trade is going to be D'Angelo Russell and a few picks probably. And I could see Minnesota committing long-term to Russell. I would take Russell. I have no issues with him. So, 
yeah, just uh, everybody, if D'Angelo Russell's coming to the franchise, don't talk to him about your extramarital affairs. That's all we ask. Uh, <laughs> Do not tell him at all. <laughs> well, Mike, thanks for jumping on, man. We hope to have you back here real soon. Thanks a lot. No problem. I had a great time. You guys have a great night. Thanks a lot. You too, man. See you later, man. Bye-bye. Well, that was Michael Walton. Hey, TR, real quick. We got a guest, a, a surprise run-in here. Okay. All right. What's up? Oh, good evening, gentlemen. Uh, this is uh, Luke from Jersey. Uh, yeah. I just want to comment on, on, the, uh, on the Butler trade. I mean, you know, he's he's uh, pretty much narrowed down on three teams. Like you said, the Nets, which is like, well, if he goes to the Nets, then it's going to be a nightmare season anyway because every time they get somebody good, something happens. I mean, look what happened. They got Jeremy <laughs> Lin last season. He got into the first game. So, bam, right there. The Knicks, I'm a little concerned about. I mean, they do need somebody besides Brzezingas because, you know, every year he gets hurt. So, you know, maybe we can use him. Or he might be going to the Clippers, uh, which has become a train wreck uh, uh in the last year and a half or so. Oh, don't so I don't know. But do you think that yeah, the Nets are the best move? Of the three teams he listed, uh, maybe. Depends on who you're – it depends on who you would get from the Clippers. Um, I think if you get – if you get some – I don't think they'll give up the young players, but if you could talk them into giving up a, um, a Shea Gilgis-Alexander – and Tobias Harris and a pick. I think you got to take that pick. Maybe throw in, uh, you know, a pick of your own or something to make that deal work out. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think you're going to get that. I really don't. Uh, Brooklyn's probably the best bet of the three teams he mentioned. There's other places. I I just don't know. No offense to the Knicks, but they have nothing to offer. Mm-hmm. There's nothing there that that somebody would want. Well, there, I, I, I disagree. I disagree in a way. Uh, they have things to offer, but I don't think they would get rid of them. Being Knox uh, coming to my coming to mind first, they, I don't think they would make that move. No, no. Yeah, I was af- I was afraid of that because like um, cause the Knicks, the Knicks need the Knicks need somebody strong. Well, the Knicks uh, front office has already said they're not willing to give up assets mm. for players they can get in the off season. So you may be looking at a Knicks team that's like, you know what, if they want to come here, we'll just sign them in the off season. Mm. Yeah, but Butler's kind of uh, mimicking Kawhi Leonard a little bit. I mean, you know, yeah, he might ha- so. he might have a he might have a quote unquote uh, Kawhi might have had a quote unquote thigh injury or whatever, but it, it seems like, you know, he's playing games a little bit. Yeah, you think you faked it? Um, Either that or his uncle put him into a psychosomatic spell and made him Oop, think he I'm was I'm just hurt. reading something here right now, and um, I think we might be both wrong on this because they're saying Bauer is most interested in going to the Clippers. Yeah, I read that he was really very much looking for uh, a Clippers trade. Again, they probably 
them or Brooklyn would be of the two more likely to happen. Uh, just, I don't know. You already said good riddance, Nate. You might as well leave it at that. Yeah, I'm at yeah. that point. Um, until I talk to John Krasinski this week, and we'll have that conversation next week as we talk more about the latest uh, debacle that is Minnesota. Um, I'll t- we'll dive head first into it next week. I know I've already said my piece on the matter, um, so we'll just leave it at that. Um, but, yeah, so anything else going on, Lou, we should know about? The debacle uh, is wrecked, I can tell you that. And, of course, now the uh, baseball season's uh, winding down. Um, most races, you know, I think the parents wrap up all except maybe for like the NL West, which is like, you know, really tight between Colorado and the Dodgers. You find out who's going to get that, um, division and that wild card spot. I mean, it's really a close race. Atlanta, yeah, Nate, Atlanta, I think is going to take the East. That's a given. Nate's not the biggest, uh, MLB fan, but. I I I have a I have a question for you real quick, uh, Lou. Sure. Um, you know I'm the Philly guy, and the Phillies were neck and neck, and actually above the Braves at one point, and they Briefly. have just fell off a cliff. And no, if you want they, a team to fall off a cliff, it's the Mets. Ah, well, yeah, that's true. They they fell off a, a serious cliff. Um, start, what did they start out like uh, ten and eleven one or one. Yeah. Um, but just, uh, f- for the sake of argument with, I think 13 games remaining, the, the Phillies play heads up with the Atlanta Braves. Should I be in a Philadelphian hold out hope with Jake Arietta not pitching like he has, you know, before and mm. Aaron Nola and so forth, or should I just concede that it's a losing season? I think what you're going to watch out for is Washington because they've really stood up their game. Mm. I have not even uh, looked at Washington. Are they coming up to overtake the Phillies in the uh, standings? It's very possible. It wasn't that way around a few weeks ago, but they have really stepped up after Philly's been uh, losing. So uh, it's going to be closer between Philly and Washington for that, that last spot. Wow. Oh, well. I look forward to the standings right now because I'm right here. So let me show you. Well, they can't show you, but you get the idea. All right. So as we go to the uh, Red Sox have clinched. All right. So, yep. Philly is 78 and 73, and Washington is right behind them, 77 and 75. Wow. So Washington's still not mathematically out of it then. Not by a long shot. Wow. Interesting. And the Mets have now officially have a losing season. That's way too many games for anything ever. <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry. I believe I, you mean the 162 game season, correct? Yeah. That's just, yeah. That's just so many games, and it's like, how how do you even like care enough to watch that many games? I'm sorry, I don't. It, 
it would be different if it was a sport that could actually keep my interest, you know? But man, like I can't think of a more boring afternoon than sitting at a baseball stadium. Like everybody says, Oh, you gotta go to the stadium and watch it and you gotta have you know, you gotta drink. I'm like, Yeah, you gotta be trashed. There's no way you can enjoy it sober. Uh, I'm sorry guys. I don't mean to down baseball, but it just it it's just it sucks to me. <laughs> sorry. Right. Okay, we've just alienated like a, a bunch of our audience. Thanks for that, Nate. Is that a secret to anybody by now that Nate doesn't like baseball? Then where have you been? Okay, I'm right. sorry. <laughs> I mean, I've, I've not hit it. This is not something that I just announced one day. I have been. I used to play baseball. I was a decent baseball player, but every time I would play, I would fall asleep by the third inning on second base, and that just wasn't good. So I'm sorry. I just uh, can't get, get into it. Playoff baseball is very exciting. Right. Well, so is a colonoscopy. But, you know, it depends on who it is. <laughs> just not a colonoscopy. Get yeah, yeah, yeah we got a question. We should, we do have to question that one. <laughs> so, Listen, something we don't know there, I've been, about, I've been learning about drugs for the past few weeks, so give me a break. <laughs> All that crap comes to my mind, literally. I'll bet. Yeah. Oh, gosh. But, Lou, it's good to hear from you. Uh, you called Thanks. us there with a guest, and now we are winding down here on our episode. Uh, thanks for jumping on with us, and uh, we hope to talk to you again real soon because TR and I uh, – we got to wrap up here. We're already in overtime. Right. Okay, and have a happy colonoscopy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank oh, you. Oh, boy. We'll holler at you soon. I'm out of here. Good right. night. Good night, Lou. Well, TR, what an adventurous episode we just had. Uh, rants and raves and Elton Brand and that Jimmy Butler guy and Michael Walton and Keith Pompey and Tom Moore and, of course, Lou. And you and me and all the people with nothing to lose, or however that song yeah. goes. But uh, yeah, we hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, what are your thoughts, Tr? Before we get out of here, um, very informative, very uh, um, basketball centric. You know, a few breaks for a little bit of baseball and a little bit of Carson Wentz, but probably the heaviest off-season basketball-oriented show we had. And, uh, you know, so all you hoops heads out there, hopefully you enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, the the profane, angry, Jim Cornette-esque Nate uh, may have to be a recurring character whether he wants to be or not. Because... <laughs> well, I had plenty of F-bombs tonight. And if my mother hears this episode, Mom, I'm sorry. But uh, other than that, everybody, we hope you enjoyed listening to Wide Men Can't Jump. Episode 46, brand new GM has Butler will travel. We hope you guys follow us on iTunes or subscribe to us on iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, Google Play, FM Flash, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you listen to podcasts, Pod Paradise, and all those other wonderful sites that have us on them. Uh, make sure you go to patreon.com slash jump. You can donate to the show. You can become a monthly donator. And we will hook you up with some really cool stuff. Big thanks to the law offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com, wowfreecam.com, our wonderful sponsors. By the way, if you're listening to the show and you're like, man, that's really cool, uh, they reach a lot of people because our reach goes worldwide. We're close to 40 countries all over the world. We're hitting uh, the continental United States, North America, everything. Um, and you're interested in sponsoring the program? 
let us know. You can email us at widemancantjump at gmail.com. Shoot us an email, and we'll uh, discuss a budget price that will fit your needs. If you're looking to sponsor the show and get your name out there for whatever it is you do, hit us up. I want to thank our guests tonight, Keith Pompey, Tom Moore, Lou, and Michael Walton. Thanks, all those guys. We'll be talking with John Krasinski uh, on next week's show, and we'll have uh, some more surprises in store for you. Make sure you're checking out all the shows here on blogtalkradio.com slash wide men can't jump. We've got sports betting for our Patreon members. We've got uh, Tim and Tom just acting the fool on the sports betting show. Not really. They're very serious. Take their picks seriously. They do a great job. Uh, Tim, Tom, and I, we do some Sunday night roundtables occasionally. Check those out. Uh, always something going on. we got more shows in the works, more guests, uh, some really cool stuff that we're working on that we cannot wait to get out to you. Um, make sure you follow us on Twitter at wide jump. You can follow us on Instagram at wide men can't jump. You can follow TR at TR shock. I'm at MMITM Nathan. And we hope you guys have enjoyed, uh, TR, anything you want to add before we get out of here? Nah, I'm good, brother. All right. Thanks everybody for listening. And we hope everybody has a good night, except for Jimmy Butler, who in my opinion is you piece of slime. TR send us home. Peace. Thanks for listening to this show on the Wide Men Radio Network, blogtalkradio.com slash widemencantjump. You can download this and any other episode from our network at iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Pod Paradise, Google Play, Player FM, and anywhere you find your favorite podcast. This show has been brought to you by the law offices of Stephen P. New at newlawoffice.com. Facebook.com slash MakeupKennedy, and WowFreeCam.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at WideJump. You can follow us on Instagram at WideMenCan'tJump, and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash WideMenCan'tJump. Please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Also, rate the show and tell us how we did. If you love us, please give us a five-star rating. Again, thanks for listening to this episode on the Wide Men Radio Network. Tune in, same time, same place, for the Wide Men Radio Network at blogtalkradio.com slash wide men can't jump.